Castle. Episode number 59. For June 30th, 2009. On the Banks of the River of Heaven by Richard Parks. This is Rachel Swirsky, PodCastle's editor. I like otters. Well, how can you not like otters? Have you ever watched an otter play? Epitome of cute! The otters at the Monterey Bay Aquarium are one of their most popular exhibits, and I will always fondly remember how excited the otters were last time I was there because the keepers had given them these enormous buckets of ice. Because it turns out that otters like little more than to dive into a huge bucket of ice and play like a little kid in a ball pit. An ex-coworker of my dad's has a great otter story from when she was volunteering at a marine wildlife enclosure in coastal Oregon. The otters were bored, as otters get, and so they kept breaking the glass of their enclosure. The keepers figured the otters were using the rocks that the keepers would put into the aquarium with treats inside them, so they took the rocks away. But sure enough, the otters broke their way out again anyway. So they put in a camera, and they watch as this one mischievous, energetic young male waits until nighttime, when he knows there are no humans around to catch him, and then swims down to the bottom of their enclosure, where there's a very large screw, which he patiently unscrews, and then even more patiently bangs against the glass until it shatters. Water, otters, everywhere. The keepers traded that otter for a quieter, less energetic male, and the mischievous otter went on to another zoo, where he had a great career as a breeder, which kept him occupied, and pleased the new keepers enormously. On the banks of the River of Heaven, today's story does involve an otter. It was written by Richard Parks, whom PodCastle listeners may remember from our first PodCastle giant, Moon Viewing at Shijo Bridge. Parks lives in Mississippi with his wife and a varying number of cats. His first novel, The Long Look, is coming out in September from Five Star Slash Scentage. He blogs at ogre-son.livejournal.com. On the Banks of the River of Heaven first appeared in Realms of Fantasy. It's read for us by Barry Deutsch, whose political comics you can find at leftycartoons.com. He's also the author of a new graphic novel coming out soon from Abrams. Here Bill is billed as yet another comic book about a troll-fighting 11-year-old Orthodox Jewish girl. You can find an excerpted version online at hereville.com. Links in this introduction are available on the web at podcastle.org. Enjoy the story! On the Banks of the River of Heaven by Richard Parks The fish in the River of Heaven, known to mortals as the Milky Way, are both immortal and elusive. For many years they fell through Kaiboshi the herdsman's nets until the year his wife, Asago Hime, the divine weaver, made him a gift of a special net, finer than gossamer and stronger than iron. With this he caught the celestial fish easily enough while the celestial ox that was his primary responsibility grazed peacefully nearby and the celestial otter watched from the river. Kaiboshi did not eat the fish, of course. Fishing was just a way to pass the time until the seventh day of the seventh month should come again. Kaiboshi had just hauled in one more wriggling net of fish when the celestial otter, 
who until this point had done nothing but watch, stuck his head out of the water. Herdsman, give me a fish, please, he said. Kaiboshi frowned. It is your role to chase the fish, not to catch them. And so I have done, for eternities past counting, Otter said. Is it strange that, after all this time, I might want to know how it feels to actually hold one? Kaiboshi, who knew quite a bit himself about wanting what he could not have, carefully removed one of the celestial fish, its scales iridescent with stars, from the net and handed it to Otter, who carefully took the fish in his paws and examined it with what Kaiboshi could only interpret as awe and wonder. After a bit, Otter put the fish in its jaws, though only tightly enough to hold it. With this, he happily paraded for a time along the banks of the river, head held high. During all this handling, the fish just gasped, as any other fish would do, though in the case of a celestial fish, this was no more than a polite reprimand, as one might clear one's throat to remind another that someone is waiting on them. Hmm, oh, of course, please excuse me. Otter placed the fish back in the water and released it just as Kaiboshi emptied his net. There was a swirl among the reeds near the shore, then calm again. Kaiboshi gathered up his net and took it to a nearby tree branch to dry. When he returned to the shore, both the ox and the otter were waiting for him. Or rather, otter was waiting. The ox simply had not moved. I wish to thank you, otter said. No need, Kaiboshi said. It was little enough that I did. Perhaps to you, said otter, but it meant a great deal to me, and so I must repay you. Is there anything you desire that is in my power to grant? Kaiboshi thought about what he wanted. Tomorrow is the seventh day of the seventh month. The master of heaven is decreed that on this one day of the year I may cross the bridge of birds to visit my lady Asagohime, and thus I am soon to be reunited with my love. The rains have prevented us seeing each other for two years now. But surely we will not be denied a third time. I wish only to see my love. There is nothing anyone can grant that I desire more than this. Otter sighed. I understand. Yet I consider myself in your debt from this day forward. So if you ever do think of a way I might be of use to you, Seek me here at the river. With that, the otter slipped back into the water and disappeared with barely a ripple, off again to pursue the elusive fish. Kaiboshi, the divine herdsman, watched the ox graze until night fell, and then he slept and dreamed of his love. On the seventh day of the seventh month, as it had for the previous two years, it rained, and it rained. The cranes still came at Kaiboshi's bidding to stand by the shore and form the base of the bridge. Next came the geese and the ducks and other waterfowl, who fared well enough creating the platform and the first few degrees of arc for the bridge. After that, however, came the hawks and crows and sparrows and smaller birds, and the rain beat down on them incessantly 
and their wings became sodden and would no longer support them and a bridge, too. The cranes held on gamely as the river swelled into flood, but their skinny legs began to tremble. Kaiboshi reluctantly concluded that the enterprise was doomed, and he dismissed the birds with thanks rather than risk seeing them fall in the river after the inevitable collapse. Three years now the rain had come on the appointed day. For three years, the bridge of birds that was his only way to cross the celestial river had been unable to form. Kaiboshi began to wonder if he was cursed, but more he wondered if Asagohime had started to forget him. He sat down on the banks of the river and let the rising waters chill his feet as he indulged in a bout of melancholy, since he knew of nothing else he could do. Three years is a long time to be apart from the one you love, he said aloud, even for an immortal. He turned once more to the celestial ox, patiently grazing in the rain. You could decide to graze on the other side of the river, you know. The master of heaven would have to allow me to follow you there. The ox merrily turned its broad posterior in Kaiboshi's general direction and munched on a patch of sweet grass. Not that Kaiboshi could find it in his heart to fault the creature for this. The other side of the river was largely built over by the master of heaven's grand palace and those of many of the other major gods, and those who had gardens kept them behind high walls. The grazing there was, from an ox's view, very poor. Thus they were segregated according to function, a sagohima to the palace where she wove night and day to make the clothing and tapestries of the gods, Kaiboshi to the lands opposite across the river, where the wild creatures ran free and the grazing was best. Kaiboshi understood and accepted this, except for his separation from Asagohime. That separation he had never been able to accept, save for the fact of their yearly visits. Only lately, even that comfort was denied him. Kaiboshi pulled the flute from his pack, the flute he had carefully carved and polished as a present to Asagohime two years before and had yet to give her. She'll forget me, he said. I know it. The curse will continue. The rain will come and she will forget me. Unlikely, said a voice that was not Kaiboshi. Otter stuck his head out of the swollen river near Kaiboshi's feet. Pardon the intrusion, but Asagohime is quite unhappy on account of the rain. She said so. Kaiboshi frowned. How do you know this? Oh, of course. You can swim the celestial river. Since the river is my home, it would be strange if I could not, the otter said. And I have just come from a sheltered cove beneath the window to the room where your lady resides. If the thought gives you comfort, know that she is just as miserable as you are, if not more so. I do not wish for my lady to be unhappy, and yet I do want her to miss me when I am not there. Oh, if only we could be together always, things would be so much simpler. I doubt that, Otter said. 
It is my understanding that, when you lived with Asagohima, both of you shamefully neglected your duties. The celestial ox wandered where it would, including the gardens of any god foolish enough to live on this side of the river. And your lady wife avoided her weaving, to the point that the gods were becoming rather threadbare. Is this not why you were separated in the first place? We had each other, Kaiboshi said, smiling faintly. We had little need of anything or anyone else. And that's the problem in a nutshell, Otter said, when so many other people need and depend on you. Kaiboshi rested his head on his knees, looking glum. You sound like the Lord of Heaven. Otter shrugged. One can understand his point of view without necessarily agreeing with everything he's done. What's that you're holding? It was a present for Asagohime, and I can't give it to her. Unless... Otter, can you take this flute across the river to Asagohime? Would you? Of course I can and would. I am in your debt, as I said. Yet the water would likely ruin it. Perhaps if you were to find something dry to wrap it in? Kaiboshi found and cut a length of sturdy bamboo, just longer and wider than the flute. From this he made a watertight case and placed the flute inside, then tied a loop of cord around it. This otter allowed Kaiboshi to place around his neck, and then otter set out across the river. Kaiboshi watched him dwindle to a speck on the vast water and disappear. Kaiboshi sat back down on the banks of the river and watched the spot where Otter had vanished, while the celestial ox, perhaps remembering a more succulent patch of grass elsewhere, wandered off. When Otter reached the other side of the river, he went straight to the little sheltered cove he had spoken of, where, indeed, the window to Asagohime's rooms opened over the water. Otter could hear the clack-clack of Asagohime's loom as she wove. The noise was rather loud, so Otter was forced to shout to be heard. Asagohime, may I speak with you? The divine weaver appeared at the window. Otter did not consider himself any judge of what the human immortals called beautiful, but he was forced to admit that there was a pleasing aesthetic quality to Asagohime's face, and her long black hair set it off marvelously. Who calls? Is that you, Otter? she asked. Her voice sounded somewhat husky, and looking closer, Otter could tell that her eyes were reddened. Yes, lady. Have you been weeping? The rains kept my husband from me yet again. It is almost more than I can bear she said. Yet the cloth must be woven, and I must get back to it. She started to turn away, but Otter called out to her again. Tarry a moment, lady. I bring a gift from your husband, and I cannot enter the palace. Can you come down to the shore? Asagohime's countenance brightened immediately. Oh, certainly! Her weaving apparently forgotten. Asagohime disappeared from the window, 
and it was hardly a moment before a door near the base of the palace wall opened, and she hurried out in a layered blue kimono that rippled like water and glowed like sky. For a moment, all Otter could do was stare at her, impolite as that was. A token from my husband? Asagohime prodded gently. Hmm? Oh, yes, it's here. Otter took the loop from around his neck and pushed the bamboo case to the shore, where Asagohime could reach it. She pulled it open and took out the flute. Oh, how lovely! She immediately set the flute to her lips and proceeded to weave music as easily and surely as she did cloth. Otter could do little but stare and listen until the song was finished. I've wanted to play more but lack the means. It is good to know that my husband has not forgotten me. Forgotten? In truth, he thinks of little else, Otter said dryly. He hesitated then. This is not my place to say, but Kai Boshi was kind to me, and I would not see more misfortune come to him. His worry at being separated from you may cause him to neglect his duties. She smiled a little sadly then. Otter, I know full well what my lord is feeling. It's one thing to be attentive to one's assigned purpose when there is always something to look forward to, but what does either of us have now? The rains haven't fallen on our assigned day for three years now. They may fall for another three, or three hundred. That is unfortunate and somewhat strange, Otter said. Strange or not, it is the way things are. I would not wish Kaiboshi to neglect his duties, but I also cannot wish that he forget me. You are a kind creature, Otter, but you play in the river and chase the celestial fish, and nothing else is required of you. How can you understand how I feel? Otter thought of the one time in eternity. He had held one of the celestial fish. Perhaps at least a little, Otter said. As you say, my duty is to chase fish in the river, not to command the rain that flows into it, or even the water that flows in it. Still, if I can be of help to either of you, I will. Asagohime bowed in polite thanks to Otter, and returned to the palace to resume her weaving. Yet every now and then, if one listened carefully, one would hear the clack of the loom grow still and be replaced by the long, mournful notes of the flute. As the divine year progressed, there were rumblings on a plain of heaven that had nothing to do with rain. Twice now, the celestial ox had to be shooed out of one or another god's garden, and the last several batches of cloth from Asagohime's loom were all of pearlescent white, beautiful beyond reckoning, but suitable only for weddings or funerals. Since there were precious few of either in the heavens, the cloth began to pile up to no good purpose. So things stood as the seventh day of the seventh month approached yet again, and as the time grew even closer, one day Otter surfaced to find the Lord of Heaven standing on the banks of the celestial river, staring across the water. The view was lovely, but he was not smiling. 
Otter knew that this was not the best time to approach, but it was clear enough what was on the Lord of Heaven's mind, and Otter's obligation to Kaiboshi would not let him remain silent. Is it my Lord's will that Kaiboshi and Asagohima be punished yet again? Will you separate them forever this time? The gods scowled. What would you have me do, friend Otter? They neglect their duties yet again, despite their agreement with me, and I must bear both blame and responsibility for this. I may be Lord of Heaven, but I am not the master of my own daughter's heart. Isn't it right that this be so? Otter asked, curious. Above all else, the celestial plane is about order, friend Otter. Love is not orderly. It comes as it will, and it leaves chaos in its wake. It is dangerous. Does that include your love for your daughter? You do love her, I know. The Lord of Heaven sighed. A father's love for his daughter is part of the celestial order, but so is her obedience to him. Instead, Asagohime chose Kaibushi over the man I had chosen for her. To my regret, I indulged her in this, and now all the heavens pay the price of her obstinance to this very day, not just Asagohime and Kaibushi. That is only because the rains have kept them apart for the last three years, Otter said. And why do you think that is? Or do you believe it a coincidence? It did seem strangely persistent, Otter said. Yet, considering the effects, I had not thought it in your interest to cause it. Rain is the dominion of the rain god. And again you see the fruit of my daughter's whims. I don't understand, Otter said. Asagohime chose the celestial herdsman as her husband. To spare the rain god's pride, I did not let it be commonly known that he was the man I originally intended for her. Understanding dawned. Ah, but I rather fancy that he knew... If it is his jealousy that causes him to interfere, why don't you simply command him to stop? From making rain? That is what the rain man does. While it is true that his timing shows a vindictive streak I didn't know he had, that alone does not violate the tenets of his area of responsibility. I can no more command him to stop the rain than I could punish spring grass for being green. On the other hand, that my daughter's bargain has turned out poorer than she or my son-in-law hoped is no excuse for not honoring that bargain. Otter bowed low. Certainly not. Yet, you would agree that, if the rains were to hold off for a year or two, the situation might improve without drastic action on anyone's part. No doubt, but I think it will rain this year, too. What if it doesn't? You have no great wish to inflict any further suffering on your daughter. Indeed, such might even be counterproductive. Otter saw the scowl deepening on the Lord of Heaven's visage, and hastened to add, 
Not that I would dare to hint that the Lord of Heaven's judgment is either unfair or unwarranted. Still, if there was an alternative, I have said I will not interfere. What can you do? Perhaps nothing, Otter conceded, but why not give me until the seventh day of the seventh month to find out? Since the situation has been going on for the better part of the last four years, a day or two more would surely do no harm. The Lord of Heaven appeared to consider this. As you wish, he said finally, until noon on the seventh day of the seventh month, but not a moment longer. He turned away from the river then and strode back to his palace, leaving Otter behind in the river to ponder how in all the world he could stop the rain when he couldn't even catch a fish. It is the rain god's jealousy that makes him keep Asagohima and Kaaboshi apart. I know of no cure for this, but it's possible that if I were to talk to him, he could be persuaded to see reason, Otter said. This seemed like a perfectly sensible plan to Otter, who, despite or because of his playful nature, was himself an eminently sensible creature. He set out at once for the rain god's home, which was at the top of a high mountain near the headwaters of the celestial river. It was there that Otter immediately ran into two problems. The first was that the streams rushing down from the mountaintop into the river below were cascading downward even faster than the celestial otter could swim, which was very fast indeed. The second difficulty was that the slopes of the mountain were haunted by the rain god's daughters, wild-haired, mischievous sprites who delighted in turning the slopes of the mountain into mud and slippery stones. After Otter's third failed attempt, he wound up belly-flopping nearly a league down the mountainside on an impromptu mudslide to be deposited once more into the celestial river with the loudest and highest splash that Otter had ever made. Now, mudslides were one of Otter's favorite things, and he could not remember a better one than that prepared for him by the rain god's daughters, but he realized after that third attempt that, fun as this was, he was not going to be able to reach the rain god this way. He had to think of another path. Otter puzzled for a while, and when the solution came to him, it seemed so simple that he wondered why he hadn't thought of it sooner. He could not reach the rain god, but the rain god's more powerful twin brother was the river god, and he was quite easy to reach at least for an otter. The river god, in his true form, was a great water dragon who lived in a cave near the base of the rain god's mountain, where the waters first flowed into the celestial river. The river god was also of a generally agreeable nature when he wasn't in flood. Perhaps he could be persuaded to intercede with his more moody brother, especially since the rain god was dependent on the river god for his water in the first place. The main danger was a giant whirlpool in the river god's cave, but Otter knew a stone path that would let him avoid that. At least, thought Otter, 
There's no harm in asking. Whatever Otter meant to do, he knew he had to do it soon if there was any chance of repaying his debt to Kaiboshi. Evening was already approaching, and the next day was the seventh day of the seventh month, when, once more, the rains would surely come. Otter swam quickly against the current and soon came to the place where the waters emerged from the mouth of the river god's cave to meet the runoff from the rain god's mountain, there together to form the body of the celestial river. He dived under the water there and followed the current until he finally surfaced in a large, quiet pool. There was a distant, dull roar that Otter recognized as the maelstrom, and before he dared swim much further, he slipped out of the water at a place where a narrow ledge ringed the pool. Every so often, along the cave's wall were rock crystals that glowed like torches, giving weak but adequate light. Otter followed the ledge along the underground river until he came to the place on the far side of the cave where the vast whirlpool churned. The maelstrom was even larger now than Otter remembered, reaching from one side of the river to the other. The water that escaped it flowed on toward the cave mouth and out into the river, but Otter knew better than to try and swim anywhere near the thing. The currents there were overwhelmingly strong and unpredictable. The ledge here connected with a larger cavern that served as the river god's palace. Crystalline formations grew from floor and ceiling, serving as pillars and creating chambers within the cave. Otter peered into the crystalline palace, but saw nothing. He looked around the cave ledge. Hello, river god. It is I, Otter. A spout of water ejected from the center of the whirlpool, and just before it was about to splash onto the stone ledge by Otter's feet, it transformed from water into what now appeared to be a handsome young man with jet black hair and dark eyes. It was not often that Otter had seen the river god in his human form, and he didn't recognize him until the man spoke. Hello, friend Otter. What brings you to my palace? Otter, now that he recognized the lord of the river, bowed low. I've come to ask a favor of you, divine one. The river god smiled. Very curious. No offense, but what does Otter require? other than the freedom of the river and plenty of fat fish to chase. Ordinarily, my lord, nothing at all. I'm here because of an obligation I owe to another. And who might that be? The divine herdsman, Kaiboshi. Ah, that one. The river god stopped smiling. Ask if you will, but I'm not inclined to do anything to the cowherd's advantage. Otter blinked. I am surprised to hear this. Has Kaiboshi offended my lord in some way? Offended? Say, rather, he possesses something that by right belongs to me, though that need not concern you, friend Otter. Just understand this and do not take it personally if I refuse your request. Now, then, what is it you wanted of me? To intercede with your brother, the ring god, 
so that tomorrow the bridge of birds may be formed as the Lord of heaven decreed. The river god laughed until the cavern rang with the sound of it. Otter merrily waited, feeling a bit confused and uncomfortable, until the sound died down enough for him to be heard again. Clearly, I have said something that amuses you, my lord. May I ask what that is? Oh, friend Otter, the river god said, wiping tears from his eyes. Where do you think my brother acquires the extra water he needs to make so much rain across the plain of heaven in the first place? Why do you think this whirlpool practically roars with the volume of water flowing through it? I supposed he got the water from you, as the river is the only source of water in the heavens, Otter admitted. But I did not know the whirlpool had a part to play in this. Underneath the whirlpool is a stone channel that forces water from my domain up to the top of my brother's mountain. I supply it gladly, since he's making it rain on my behalf. Now do you see why I was laughing? In your innocence, you've asked me for the one favor in all the heavens that I cannot and will not grant. I see, but... I do not understand, Otter said. How is the suffering of the divine herdsman and the divine weaver to your advantage? I had not thought you cruel by nature. The river god glared at Otter. Cruel? Nonsense! I merrily seek what is mine by right, as I said. Otter blinked. You seek guardianship of the divine ox? The river god sighed. The ox? Oh, otter, go back to your fish. These matters are clearly beyond your understanding. It's true that I'm an ignorant creature, otter said, but that is not by choice. If you will not grant my request, then at least teach me the reason. If it is not the ox you cover... Oh. The river god nodded, smiling. Now you see, by keeping that lout Kaiboshi and the exquisite Asagohime apart, I've made certain that Kaiboshi's bargain with the Lord of Heaven will not be kept, so he will be forced to separate them permanently. And then Asagohime will be mine, as the Lord of Heaven intended all along. It pains me to cause my beloved any grief, but she will forget her silly infatuation with that oaf in time. I will see to that. Now, do you understand? Otter thought that perhaps he did understand. Finally. I had intended to repay my debt to Kaiboshi, but not at your expense, my lord. No doubt you will make a splendid husband, and your plan is a marvel of cunning simplicity. Was it Difficult to obtain your brother's help? The river god stroked his chin thoughtfully. In truth, it was my brother who knew of my frustrated affection for Asagohime, and he first broached the idea. He's always been the clever sort, and as he said, all he needed was my water to make the plan work. 
Quite ingenious, said Otter. Yet, if your patience is not yet exhausted, may I ask, how did you learn that Asago Hime was intended for you? The Lord of Heaven was quite discreet about his choice. Again, I must thank my brother, the river god said. He confided this knowledge to me, though how he obtained it himself he could not say. I think he protects his sources. As surely as he protects your interests, Otter said, bowing low again. As you've already said, these matters are beyond my own poor brain. I had understood the situation differently. Doubtless I was mistaken. Otter turned to go, but the river god stopped him. Wait, friend Otter. What do you mean? What were you mistaken about? I must have misheard the Lord of Heaven this morning. Water in my ears or the like. It is nothing. The river god frowned. What did he say? Well, I thought... He said that Asago Hime had been intended for your brother, the rain god. But that is quite impossible, isn't it? Yes, of course, said the river god, and his eyes were glowing. Clearly, I was mistaken. Else it would be your brother who really stood to gain if the marriage between Asago Hime and Kaiboshi was dissolved. Is that not right? Yes. Of course, the river god said, with just a bit more emphasis. His eyes were still glowing, and the antlers of his true dragon form had sprouted on the river god's broadening forehead. In which case, your clever and cunning brother would have been playing you for a fool, and that notion is ludicrous beyond all reason, Otter said, backing away. Slowly, yes, of course, the river god's words changed into an incoherent roar of rage, and stones crashed down from the ceiling. In an instant, he fully transformed into the mighty river dragon. Otter was already across the cavern and poised over the entry pool. Thank you for your teaching, my lord, he shouted. You needn't see me out. I know the way. With that, he plunged back into the water and swam as only an otter can swim with the current at his back until he was well away from the cave of the river god and the rain god's mountain. The seventh day of the seventh month dawned cold and stormy. Lightning flashed across the sky and the winds howled as indeed they had for much of the night. Otter found Kaiboshi by the river looking, if anything, more forlorn than the last time Otter had seen him. An occasional cold water spray from the river drenched him, and he didn't bother seeking shelter. I can stand no more, friend Otter, Kaiboshi said. I will cross this river today if I have to wait it. Being immortal, you won't drown, but you know as well as I that the terms of your bargain will not allow you to cross, save by the bridge of birds. You will be swept from one end of the river to the other and back again. 
What else can I do? Summon the bridge of birds, herdsman, Otter said. After all, it is time. Kaiboshi waved an arm at the angry clouds, the flashing lightning. Against this? The wind will howl, Otter said, but birds are masters of the wind. It will not deter them. Nor are they so high that the lightning will strike them in preference to better targets. Summon the birds. Go visit your wife. But the rain? It will storm, but it will not rain, Master Kaiboshi, Otter said. Not this day. Note that the darkest clouds and the worst of the lightning surrounds the rain god's far mountain. I believe it will stay there. Yes, but what does this mean? Otter shrugged. A family dispute, I believe. It need not concern us. Summon the bridge. Kaiboshi looked doubtful, but he summoned the birds as was his right under the agreement, and they came. First the cranes to form the anchor pillars at each end, then the water birds, then the birds of the air and forest, all obeyed and took their assigned places. They threw their songs back in raucous defiance of the heavens, and the bridge held. There was an occasional drop of water that might have been blown off the top of the river by the wind, but there was no rain. Slowly, as if unable to believe his good fortune, Kaiboshi crossed the bridge of birds. He started carefully, testing each step as if all was an illusion that might collapse at any moment. Then he moved faster and faster until he practically ran across the roadway of feathers to the opposite side. Freed of their burden, the bridge of birds burst asunder and scattered, each to their assigned place on a plane of heaven, until the following morning, when Kaiboshi would summon them again. Otter watched the bridge become birds again and fly away. All debts settled, he said happily. I gather the brother gods rain and river are doing the same even as we speak, said a new voice. I think we have you to thank for this, friend Otter. Otter looked up to find the Lord of Heaven scowling down at him. Well, considering the alternative, Otter began, but the expression on the Lord of Heaven's face made him think better of it. My daughter... Well, be pleased, the Lord of Heaven said, and his scowl lessened somewhat. And I guess there's some virtue in that, if she knows what's good for her. It's all they wanted, Otter said simply. And since I don't wish to neglect my own duties, I really should get back to chasing those fish. Stay a moment, friend Otter, said the Lord of Heaven. All actions have consequences, and yours can be no different. I suppose that's just, Otter said, and he sighed. What is my punishment? I said consequences, friend Otter. Whether it turns out to be a punishment or a reward is not up to me. The Lord of Heaven reached down into the river 
and swirled the water with one finger. And in that swirling, a figure took shape, one long and lithe with dark brown fur and darker eyes. Her name is Kawa Uso Hime, the Lord of Heaven said. It was just a name, but with this speaking of that one word, Otter finally understood fully and completely why Kaiboshi waited by the river on the seventh day of the seventh month, why the river god and the rain god were currently lashing at each other, both over and under the mountain. He understood why what Kaiboshi and Asagohima shared was so dangerous and why he, like them, would never, ever give it up. Do I belong to her or does she to me? Otter asked, though he didn't really care which. He just wanted to understand. The Lord of Heaven shrugged. Both. Neither. That's something you'll have to work out for yourselves, he said. After the Lord of Heaven was gone, Kawa Usohime looked at Otter with mischief in her eyes. Who are you? she asked. I'm Otter, said Otter, when he could find his voice again. Do, do you like to chase fish? It's one thing I like to do, Kawa Usohime said, showing her fine white teeth. We'll start with that. And in a flash of fur and a splash of the celestial river, they were off. Episode number 53, K. Tempest Bradford's Change of Life, got something of a mixed reception. On the blog, Zixdu said, I wasn't impressed. I wanted a dog. That sums it up pretty well for me. But David said, Nice work. It's a fun change of pace for this feed, being reminded that fantasy is no less fantastic when it's done on a smaller scale and wrapped up in a way leaving nearly everyone none the wiser. I wouldn't want every story here to be like this one, though. On the board, Portrait in Flesh said, I shouldn't be able to tell how a story's going to end so soon. As soon as the first pet showed up and knowing its name, I just kind of knew where this was going, and coupled with the narration, the overall experience didn't do a terrible lot for me. While in contrast, Hilary Moon Murphy said, I enjoyed the gentleness of the story and the strange connections between the animals and the mother's lost children. Thumbs up. Come on over to forum.escapeartist.info and let us know what you think. Podcastle is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated and is distributed on a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Share it, but don't change it or sell it. Our theme music is by Shiva in Exile. You can find them at magnatune.com. You can discuss this episode of Podcastle or nearly anything else on our forums. Just visit forum.escapeartist.info. And if you like science fiction or horror, be sure to visit our sister podcasts, Escape Pod and Pseudopod. And if you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend, or post to your blog about it, or consider donating via the PayPal link on our site. Hal Boyle wrote, What makes a river so restful to people is that it doesn't have any doubt. It is sure to get where it's going. 
and it doesn't want to go anywhere else.